You're listening to the Your Rivers Are Wrong podcast. Good morning, everyone, or afternoon, or whatever time zone you're in, you know, because we're an intergalactic podcast, I want to say. <laughs> Welcome back to Your Rivers Are Wrong. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Merle. And I'm your other host. My name is Dante. Yeah. And in this podcast, we talk about a lot of things, but mostly the wonderful whimsies of world building, the arts and aesthetics of setting up a setting and telling stories in that setting. And I think today we're already on episode 42, aren't we, Dante? That's exactly right. Yeah. Didn't I do that intro so that smoothly? That was so good. Wasn't it great? I was so satisfied. Thank so, you so I much. I was like, wait, wait, what's my Learn line? Learn from the best. <laughs> You had to break in now. Yeah. Yeah. You kicked me in and I'm just like, wait, 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 what, what do I say? You got to keep up, Dante. Got to keep up. We're evolving here. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so good to be back. So good to How be you back. been, my friend? I've been good. I've been good. For context for people listening, we're coming right off of New Year's weekend. That's right. Wow. Yeah. All the celebrations. Yeah. So many. I heard some wild bingo nights were going on at your place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Shame I missed it. You know. <laughs> yeah, just next time you can come across the waters. I'll come over. Yeah, I'll do like a digital one. Things. Yeah, see <laughs> school Skype you into your digital own bingo sounds can... awful though. Like I would, I oh, would. I'm sure it exists. It. Sure, in this day yeah. and age, I'm positive it exists. Sure. Um. Yeah, my family's big on bingo nights on Christmas and New Year's, and we play for literal hours. So. <laughs> It's kind of intense. Nice, nice. I love the dedication in there. Yeah, yeah. Did you also see fireworks and stuff? Like, how was the rest of your New Year's? Well, we have the fancy uh, New Year's celebration in New York City. We have the ball drop, obviously, and then we have the fireworks somewhere else. And it's always exciting, but we don't usually have it in neighborhood because that's illegal. We can't oh. do that anymore. <laughs> Wait. But, oh, I didn't realize. Not Fair to enough. say that there aren't fireworks all over New York. Not to say that people still do it anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's just that yeah, who gets fire. caught You'll always have those it. people, though. Yeah, I get it. Like a decade ago, my, my uh, neighbors would always go to North Carolina and get just a okay. massive amount of fireworks because it's legal there. And then we would fire it off in the neighborhood and, you know, the police won't say anything. But now everybody's <laughs> cracking down on these and it's way less fun. Mm. But uh, we used to have all the Roman candles set up in the street. Oh. And fire it's so, so good. Fair enough. Yeah, good that's times. very fun. I think next year we're going to be like firework free in a few of cities in Holland. So I felt like this mm -hmm. year everybody was like real serious about it. Because <laughs> like, you know, go big or go home. Now or never. Yeah. Next yeah. year it's going to go home. So, you know, tonight's going to be go big. Yeah. Which, you know, I like about fireworks that I don't have to buy anything and then I still have all the fun. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> I just stand on a high enough rooftop. Yeah, you literally you don't everything. have to do anything and people just do it for you. <laughs> and it's their money. So. <laughs> it's lovely. Yeah. Life hacks. Don't <laughs> Life buy your own yeah. fireworks because you can see them from anywhere. Yeah. Oh, gosh. You never how, heard this how was your before. weekend in context? <laughs> My weekend was very fun. I was with a bunch of friends and we did karaoke because we're all musical nerds amazing oh that must be so good i never karaoke on new year's eve which was great like why isn't that a thing that everyone does it is a thing <laughs> i want karaoke to be thing. part of every party that i'm at now hey, listen you got you got to go to a filipino party uh, oh yeah didn't do that yet sounds amazing <laughs> i love it it is a rule in every filipino american household that you must have a magic microphone oh in some sort of karaoke set Look That's at just that. how it goes. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Not going to lie. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know if we haven't. Do we have anything else to say? Jumping into this? I don't think so. Oh, we have to mention, uh, of course, <laughs> Marilla is the host for this episode. Oh, yeah. In she case you 
chose this, <laughs> which is so fun to listen to. And I do so much less. I'm so because... fun in general. Aren't I? <laughs> let, let it be known. Yeah. Just put on record. Put it out there. Marilla yeah. is so, so fun. Yeah. But that's that's actually good to mention, because in case you missed the announcement or the, the episode before this, we're switching hosts every now and then. And we're having a little bit of yeah. a different, slightly shorter format this season, season mm-hmm. four already. Can't believe yes, that. Yes, that's crazy. That's why you're listening to me talking about what bridge we're going to do for the new topic. Because <laughs> it's happening. It's yes. right now. You got to transition into your own words, which would be very exciting. That's confusing to my brain. <laughs> but oh, I'll we'll try anyway. It. We'll workshop it. Yeah. 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 We got this. I want to link this to the bingo story, but I can't find a way. <laughs> <laughs> I had a whole like five minute bingo spiel before we started recording. So yeah. you guys missed most of it. <laughs> and I'll bring it up if it's relevant and not a moment before. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Okay, had a fun talk. Let's let's do some serious <laughs> biz now. Okay, since I'm the host of this episode, I'm also in charge of mm-hmm. the topic that we're going to talk about today. I thought it would be fun to talk a little bit about immersive storytelling or immersion in general. Interesting. I think I came up with this or thought about this in general when I was watching the amazingly, wonderfully brilliant animated series Arcane on Netflix. Mm. I rewatched it recently and then I watched like this, I don't know, six parts, half an hour each Breakdown. part documentary of the behind the scenes, yeah. which was equally amazing. And I forgot how many amazing, talented people there are in this world. <laughs> and specifically the little behind the scenes that they showed about the audio editing or the Foley recording and the music and stuff, I was really fascinated by because they really explained the sort of layering of all the sound and stuff. And it was really cool. And it made me realize how many thought and effort goes into basically background or basically not realizing that you're listening to things that are made from scratch because animation isn't real (laughs) in case you missed it. Everything that's in, you know, the background, all the characters that you're seeing, all the colors, all the sounds that you hear, they have been purposefully made for the work. And, you know, I'm talking about animation now, but this goes for many artworks or stories, you know. And I think that's a very interesting quality to talk about a little bit because it's pretty hard to do. And probably if you've done it the best way possible, you probably shouldn't even realize that it's there. You want it to sort of be part of the whole experience, which is why it is immersive in the first place. Yeah, and I think you can do that in a lot of different ways, Mm. in a lot of different mediums as well. Yeah, so I want to talk about it a little bit with you. Yeah, absolutely. Arcane, we... (laughs) It's it's so, so, so good. And famously like a... It's famously like a six to seven year project before Mm. it was even like announced. This is Uh, a big, big thing, yeah. For a very long time. And as someone familiar with the League of Legends like setting and lore and all of that, it is tremendously deep how much thought and effort they put into like just Piltover and Zon in terms of the settings of mm. Arcane is just two of like 12 other settings in this continent world. And they're all like equally, not equally, I guess, but they're all very, very, very <laughs> deep in terms of like how many things are tied to them, all the stories. Yeah, that's wild. So they certainly had a lot of stuff to work with in building Arcane and building out this world, but they did it so well to kind of just look into the background in any frame and see like three or four different things that define the city and make sure that the atmosphere is exactly right. Again, for context, like Piltover is this clean, technological, revolutionary city, very steampunk, industrial, uh, very futuristic in that moving towards progress is the whole theme. Mm-hmm. And then Zahn is the counterpoint to it, the city, un- basically the city underground or lower down. And they have like a chemtech 
very like aggressive sort of style where like the strong survive and therefore all the designs are jagged and dangerous and yeah. like, more experimental, you know, and just the groundwork and what they put into making sure that you understand the the context of these settings is is so much because every building, every person, how they dress, how they look, how they talk, all of that feeds into this same unified aesthetic. Mm, yes. And in, ter- in terms of immersion, what's so important about immersion is believing that this setting could be real and believing that you could walk and talk here and everything moves towards the same purpose of being like, yes, this place exists. This is why this is this way. This is why this is this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, once you make those connections, it's like, oh, I see. I see how this can be a real place. And that's really good. For a little bit of background information, this is in general already quite an interesting process of making an animation because it started, as you already said, from a game, basically, from League of yes. Legends, which I'm not as familiar with, or actually not at all familiar with, mm. as you, I think. And even for me, this was already like a crazy immersive world, which is very good. Like, I don't need any background information to sort of dive into this and be completely surrounded by it. I also thought about another video essay that I've seen recently that talked about the realism in Studio Ghibli films as well. This was a video essay, Immersive Realism of Studio Ghibli by Asher Ishbrooker, I think is his name. I'm totally butchering that. And it really talked about this idea of how if you want to establish something such as a world or a character or, you know, a a location or something, really all the elements in there, like I think his example was if you see an, a literal establishing shot, so a wide shot of a bustling city, all the moving parts in it, like all the characters that are walking around, all the vehicles that you see, all the camera movement in general, right. the sounds you're hearing, etc., 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 all those things need to have a purpose that we are not going to explore in this storyline because we're following somebody else, but they right. all need to feel like they have their own storyline. And you do that by intentionally thinking of where each character goes or what their life is or, you know, why there is a statue on this corner of the street. All this stuff. I think the thought that goes into it is very necessary, but also pretty hard to do because that takes a lot of effort as well. Like you need to really think of where your priorities lie there. Right. And a lot of that, I think, in animation goes into movement or when talking about the Arcane series, it made me realize how important sound is for that as well. Like these sort of reverb i guess that you get in a street versus in you know a closed-off building or on a you know a much softer environment like a patch of grass or something but if it's not there you're gonna miss it and if it's there and done well you're not gonna realize and it's gonna you know be part of the whole thing (laughs) which is a bittersweet job i think but yeah (laughs) yeah it's so it's so hard because we are so hardwired to understand what is right and proper and correct and when something is off, like mm. as we talked about on the Uncanny Valley episode, oh yeah, when one thing is off, we notice subconsciously that something is strange, you know, and it's, it doesn't have to be a conversation. And most people don't like point it out. They'll just simply have a feeling of unease when something is just incorrect, you know. <laughs> and in the question of immersion, like obviously we're familiar with like tabletop games and all of that. A lot of that is in theater of the mind is and you just imagine it. To make sure that people are immersed, I always call back to the advice that you have to tap into all five senses. If you're describing Mm, a scene, you don't just describe what they see because that's just at face value. You add a smell to the food nearby. You add a crackle to the fireplace. You add 
a sense of like warmth and ambience. Mm-hmm. You make sure that they recognize that this is a proper setting that they can settle into and not just a picture frame that they're looking at. Yeah. You know, when you establish that the world around them is a 3D, fully interactable space, it requires those descriptors that rely on not just one census, but multiple, because at all points in the day, all throughout our lives, we're always using all five senses to understand the world. And to push somebody into that space is really important. That's why Foley is so important to these all these settings, to hear the background. And even if it's not talking or speaking directly to you or to see like something that would be a pungent smell nearby, that's yeah. all v- visceral and subconscious. And you, once you click into that, you understand the setting much clearer. And Foley, just to explain it a little bit, is basically the background noise that you see on screen. So if someone Mm -hmm. steps through a hallway, you have to hear the footsteps echoing because otherwise it feels hollow or off. A lot of times you shouldn't realize that it's there and then it's probably done right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's right. This also reminded me a little bit of something that I absolutely loved, which I think I learned or was taught in uh, art history class in high school. There's basically one of the first big screen films or one of the first films ever where they placed a camera right next to or like on the side of a train platform where you see the Mm -hmm. train coming in. And then because the train is coming kind of towards the camera and because the sound was there, people in this time when you've never seen a movie in your life, you're not used to like big screen projections. You're not used to that realism that a (laughs) photographic camera can tell you, you know, Mm. this is where film and photography is very new still so you know you're used to paintings being the realistic thing in the world or the thing that approaches realism as much as possible etc so when you then suddenly as you know (laughs) someone who's never seen a film in their life are in a cinema looking at a screen with a pretty big train coming towards you with a sound a very aggressive sound of course of a train like barreling into the station famously the first people that saw this movie like ran away from the theater because they were like what the hell what the hell i'm gonna die yes. here. some sort <laughs> of magic didn't going realize, on there. like this is the classic example of immersion <laughs> in a film mm. yeah, yeah yeah now of course we're used to this sort of immersive you know multi-sensory experience that a film can bring us and we're used to readying ourselves for an experience like that but if you're not yeah. used to that this is so close to realism that you don't understand the difference between it I always love this story because it's so telling, I guess, of what a, what a medium like that can do. And specifically, film and animation is, of course, something where already a lot of things are merging. Like, there's many different art disciplines in general, but some only have one of those sensory experiences, such as, you know, sight. Like, when you see a painting or when you see a mm-hmm. photo hung in a museum or whatever. And film, of course, is already kind of a mix of all those kinds of elements. If you ever watch those uh, behind the scenes videos on Foley artists, Mm. like the number of sound layers it takes to make a scene ordinary, like someone walking through the forest, (laughs) there is like seven or eight different layers of sound at different volumes, at different intensities, cooked together and stacked on top of each other for just like (laughs) one or two seconds of film. It is wild because, you know, nature is unpredictable and actually just recording the environment there, you might get sounds you don't want. But if you want exactly the right sounds, you have to (laughs) custom make the footprints, the pebbles moving, the animals, the brushes, the trees in the wind. You can hear the leaves rustling. All of those are individual Mm -hmm. sounds that have to be done in post and level. (laughs) It's so, there's so much time that goes into that. Yeah. To make everything so crisp and perfect and match is truly an art form in itself. On the topic of you bringing up like trains and people getting out of the way, 
Obviously, people <laughs> okay. people today would be like, oh, ho, ho, I would never do that, right? Have you never done VR? Have you never like experienced oh, yeah. the glasses and flinched when something comes by yeah. you? Terrifying. Right? The roller coaster one, tried it, hated it. I got like nauseous and everything. <laughs> it's the worst. And there's the tightrope ones where you're like, you have to walk across this tightrope and you see oh, people God. trying it. That sounds awful. And they wobble like in real life. I'm like, you're standing on carpet, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> like, obviously. That's so lovely. And even like, there's some like very short videos on YouTube where like something out of nowhere is thrown at the camera and like in real life, you'll flinch a little bit. Yeah. The same thing. Like, we're not immune to that sort of thing. If you don't have time to react or you're not expecting it, it feels very real. And that's just something built into us to react to the things around us. Things that are properly immersive, you will viscerally rea- react because your brain is in the mindset of like, this yeah. is real. This is true. Not and I need to survive. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's one more thing I want to touch upon that mm-hmm. sometimes the immersiveness. <laughs> sure, that's a word. The immersion, <laughs> the immersion. of an artwork. Yeah. You know, the title go. of the episode. I prepped right, this right, topic. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes the immersion that you can have or create can also be a conscious choice, I guess. Like you said it beautifully just now, like it's so hard to make things feel ordinary. (laughs) Like there's so (laughs) much effort for just an ordinary sound. Yeah. You can kind of play with that too a little bit. The thing that came to mind for me was the podcast Alice Isn't Dead. I think it's from the makers Mm. of Welcome to Night Vale, which you might have heard of. Neither. I haven't. Okay. Interesting. These were... I think done like quite a few years ago by now, but just to focus on Alice Isn't Dead, the sort of premise of this is that you hear a female uh, main protagonist who is, I think, a truck driver, and she's just out of boredom or out of having something to do. She's talking in her radio. And Mm. that is what you're hearing in your ears, basically. So rather than the medium being kind of the invisible thing, as we've talked about in film, it's a very conscious, purposeful choice to name how the medium is enveloped or combined with the fictitious storytelling that's going on. So we just hear everything that is quote unquote happening in the story through this so-called trucker radio that you're listening to. We could have just had a audio experience where we just hear her inner thoughts or we hear some music in between. We hear what happened. We hear a narrator. We hear her talking live. You know, we could have done that. But instead, they chose to make this a very tight, I guess, format by just using this as the so-called radio that she's talking into. Right. This is a little bit of a thriller-ish kind of podcast, right? So in the first episode, she's kind of recalling the character that she's sat with in the sort of lunch, diner, cafe, whatever. And she's thinking about how weird this man was that was sitting like on the Mm. other side of the cafe. And then she's realizing that she's seeing him in other places too. Both the sort of recalling of memory and the fact that she's experiencing it live because she's talking in this radio as she's driving or as she's, you know, continuing the actual like main storyline makes it a very real thing. The connection there is so logical that you really understand how the audio is part of your world as well as a listener. If you would have this as you're driving your car, like on your radio, (laughs) I'm sure that would be wild. Like there would be such a thin line between like the fiction and the real world. And I think that's also very fun to try out. It, of course, has limitations because you can never sort of get out of that format if you want to like be completely immersed in that. But there's definitely also very purposeful ways that you can use that immersion as a tactic almost. Yeah, absolutely. 
involving yourself in the scene makes it feel more real. Like, I'm sure that there's like truck sounds in the background, like the hissing <laughs> of the works, mm. probably like surrounding traffic and or like whatever she's driving through is obvious. Something like that, like a scene where you are following a truck driver isn't nearly as convincing if one, like the audio is perfectly clean or mm. two, like you yeah. don't feel the, the struggle of like moving the truck or turning or driving. Like the pauses in her voice have to imply that she is currently like on the move. Mm -hmm. Like you're talking while driving is much different than talking to a normal person while somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, and there's like there's like a staccato right. or, a, or a stop and go as you have to pay attention to the road. Mm -hmm. All of those little details in theory, she's saying the same words both ways. But like to add the added influence of her surroundings makes it feel like you can just sit next to her and be there and be aware of whatever's going on. Yeah, for sure. Plus that the surroundings also inform the storyline again. Like sometimes she sees a... Um, a welcome sign? I don't know if there's a name for that. Yeah, a welcome <laughs> sign. Um, when she's, you know, entering a new town or whatever. Um, and mm. sometimes those signs are weird too. And she's like, what did it just say? Is that just, oh, well, I guess I passed it. And then those sort of like pondering thoughts also come come back in that, which is, yeah, really lovely. Big recommend also. Like go, go listen to that. It's great. Yeah, of course. So in terms of... Trying to immerse people into your stories, obviously. Tap into the five senses. Make sure that that's all uh, something they're aware of. If you're doing sound design, understand the nuances of the sounds that are always, always around us. Like right now, we're recording in as quiet rooms as we can possibly be yeah. because we know life, we're life is very loud. We're doing the opposite thing now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> life is very loud. And we, we constantly struggle to keep all the sounds out of the recording. <laughs> Blankets over laptops. Yes. Yeah. I got a blanket over things. my hissing laptop. Um, no, it's got <laughs> the traffic so right outside our window. <laughs> yep, yep. The blanket is a recurring character in these podcasts, and it it's always right it next attention. to me. Maybe it just needs love, you know. I'll put a picture on whatever social media <laughs> we have of the blanket. Nice. Uh, yes. But <laughs> uh, fantastic topic. I have one more question. Absolutely. I think you talked about it a little bit already in terms of like description and stuff. Mm. But since you know we play D and D, it's a thing. We do. We do. Do we? Do we not? <laughs> like once a month when we can? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Lately. we still play. Through we still play. Season, Let's just manifest it. Yeah. <laughs> we absolutely do play. It'll it'll be four years soon. Wow. That's so yeah, fun. I can't believe that shit. That's crazy. That's wild. But my question was, do you also consciously make choices in that either on the Dungeon Master side or on the player side whenever you play? Because, of course, the fact that it's a game and not just a story mm. that you're telling or an audiobook or a theater play or whatever makes it immersive already because you're, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, but because you're dependent on other people, etc. Right. But immersion still, because you have the live characters at the table, of course, it's very immersive because it's a live thing mm. that you're doing. But I wondered if you have other ways that you purposefully incorporate it. Yeah, I mean... At the table, you can pull out all sorts of tricks to make them invested. Obviously, there's little props you can show them if they need a visual. Mm. There are ambient tracks on YouTube. There's plenty of YouTube channels that work to um, establish a setting, like uh, meeting in a tavern or walking through a marketplace. And they've already put together a whole lot of sounds that work together to set this scene. Uh, and you just put that in the background to make sure that they can hear it. You could always set music, set a mood so they understand what kind of vibe we're going for. And it's always just so, so important to make sure that it's more than just a white room, right? If you want them to meet a certain character, describe the character, describe things about the character that they could ask about or interact with, like a funny hat or the way they're dressed <laughs> or like a ring on their finger or something like that. Give them things to specifically point out that they would notice in real life. Like what are the key 
details that you can interact with in the setting just so that they have something to key off of. One of the most important things is to give them something that could interest them in the scene. So they're not just like, okay, what are we doing next? Who do we talk to? Well, obviously you talk to the wizard sitting down at the bar. Like he's clearly the most interesting thing. There's a wizard here. Hello. (laughs) If you you paint the scene well enough, then they'll be interested in other things. They'll be like, oh, what's that little jar on the shelf? Or, Mm. oh, who's who are those dudes arm wrestling? Like, are they big? Do you think I could win against them? Things like that. (laughs) That's also a nice note, actually, now that I think about it. Like sometimes you can just create interest or immersion in your world by saying that it's there, but then not really explaining what it is. (laughs) Like you establish that it's there, but then, you know, you have to sort of dig deeper to find out why it's there. Yeah. Sometimes when I set up a setting, um, you just want to throw out something crazy and then like gloss over it as if it's not that important. Like, oh, (laughs) yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, like, oh, welcome to the Wind City. You see all these bright towers all glistening with ivory or white stone. The squirrels fly overhead and you see that below you, you see a number of people like buying <laughs> yes. at the market. And you just, oh, of course. You Excuse know, me, flying squirrels? Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll I'm take sorry? It. What? Hello? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's awesome. There's a lot of work that goes into immersion and it is such an underappreciated art and something you got to practice to get really good at. Mm. So Awesome. Good topic. Wonderful topic. Great. Thank you for bringing that. So many things are linking to this, actually. I didn't realize <laughs> as I prepped, but that's really nice. <laughs> what? Immersion is, is linking to everything? What are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> How come? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what an isolated topic that has yep. nothing to do with anything else. Mm-hmm. Very, very specific. <sighs> yeah, totally not general at all. <laughs> okay. <sighs> That was a great talk. And before we leave off, we should actually do one more thing that we always do. And it's... Oh, what do we do? Arguably, you know, the most interesting part of this because it's live. It's happening live. (laughs) It's happening live. We always do a prompt (laughs) at the end of the episode where one of us, in this case, me. Oh, so exciting. Has a little prompt for the other one. Dante has no idea what it is. I, you know, made it up. (laughs) So I do know what it is. (laughs) Sure did. And Dante's going to try to world build and storytell it to his best abilities. Yeah, let's get into it. And today I have a prompt for you that is kind of tapping into immersion the other way. And it's the following prompt. Here it goes. Are you ready? I am so ready. Okay. I want you to make or design a monster or, you know, something Mm -hmm. that we should be terrified of that we can't perceive. Ooh. There's no five senses that you can use here, but somehow we're still terrified of it. That we can't perceive? Oh my God. Gosh. Okay. 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 We'll turn it. We'll turn it. (sighs) Okay. We can't (laughs) see the monster. For for people, actually, for people who are familiar with D&D or have played for a good long time, Mm. there is the story of the false Hydra, if you haven't heard it. Um, that does tap into this sort of aesthetic. And I'm really? not going to go into it because it's not, not my idea. <laughs> Look up False Hydra if you want something very akin to this. Oh, nice. Um, it, it, as a very general thing, the False Hydra is somebody who alters the memories of people that they cannot, that everything they do seems normal. And oh, they, they go completely that's cool. unnoticed. Yeah, I love things that. change and it's just like, why did that change? Oh, I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but a creature that cannot be perceived. If you cannot witness it with any of your five senses... Then to realize that the monster exists at all, it has to leave some sort of trail or tracks. It has mm. to leave something of something of remnant. Because if it doesn't, yeah, then it doesn't exist, right? Yeah. If it doesn't interact, if you can't see it and it doesn't interact with the world, then it might as well not be there. And it leaves right? no trace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so might be lots of them around. You know, we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, we'll never know. We'll never know. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there is a story of that one kid who can like see these these monsters, but. Can't perceive them. We can't talk about them. <laughs> so 
Um, let's step into. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna go into false hydra territory, and I don't. I'm trying not to. I'm trying not to. Um, this immediately reminds me of like a lot of different like Call of Cthulhu type paranormal ish. Mm, sure. Right? Yeah. Where things are unexplained, and the, the only way you could possibly explain it is that it's a monster. Um, <laughs> so, oh gosh, I I can't help but think of like a. But I can't describe it. Oh my gosh, this is so difficult. <laughs> how are you gonna? How are you gonna I have know. an immersion episode, and I can't describe things in a purely audio setting? You tell me, uh, Delta. <laughs> okay, thanks for the prompt, Marla. Mm-hmm, Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Always so great <laughs> with these prompts. <laughs> oh gosh. Like you could also say, you know, just the characters can't perceive it, but we as the audience might be able to. Like you might describe it to oh, us, or there might a, be like a is... foresight something going on. Only the characters cannot see or hear or smell or any of those things. No, no, I think I think I got it. I think I got it. Okay, okay. It's brewing. It's brewing. I can see it in your eyes. <laughs> I see it. I see it. <laughs> Nobody else can though. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's do this. Let's talk about to talk about this monster. We have to talk about Tinkertown. We're going to talk about Tinkertown. Tinkertown is a lovely secluded village far away from any other city or metropolis. They are fully independent. Surrounded by trees, and uh, Maribel is one of the uh, newsies of this town, and they often walk around and pick up their papers and deliver it to everybody, telling this the village of their one page of recent events. There isn't much that happens in Tinkertown, but whatever happens is <laughs> notable, and it's it's Maribel's job to make sure everybody knows. Um, so on a Monday, she wakes up, she delivers her papers, she passes by a neighbor's house, a grumpy old man who she doesn't really agree with, but you know, uh, she does her job as any newsy would, and she puts the paper at his front porch, passes by the baker's shop, and then, you know, makes her rounds over to the far end of the church. She puts a couple, because people always pass by this place, public forum, and then goes about her day spent collecting stories from everybody else, you know, making sure that news for the rest of the week is noted down and written down so it can be printed and delivered. Uh, and that's just a regular Monday. She so, she sorts all that through. Tuesday, she wakes up, she prepares her breakfast and then goes to the baker shop because she's a baker and she makes sure that all the bread is ready for everybody. First, she delivers food to the old man who lives there, you know, then she delivers food to the church and, you know, gets all that done because Maribel is a baker and everything she has to do is involved in the baker, uh, in the bakery, and she delivers these all over town. Wednesday, you know, she holds some sort of elementary class on Wednesdays because, you know, that's her job all throughout the week. She makes sure that everybody gets to learn and make sure all the kids get their lessons and, you know, picks up some kids from the grumpy old man's house and make sure that they make it to school properly. Thursday, uh, what was Maribel was a she was a newsie, right? And she uh, picks up the papers, makes sure she has the news and delivers it to all the houses that matter. Things are ordinary in Tinkertown. Things are normal in Tinkertown. And Maribel does whatever the town needs, right? Uh, She's a newsie today. And if something needs to be done and if the town is lacking anything, Maribel is always a good person to handle that. Um, The trees, you know, they've always been blue, right? They've always been a little bit strange. Uh, Trees are blue everywhere, right? Trees are blue everywhere. Um, And today the sky is always sunny. The sky is always sunny. How can you storytell without the sky being perfectly normal and blue? We can't have that interfering with Maribel's duties. Um, Let's move the church to the West End. Let's put it over there. Let's put the grumpy old man over in the far corner. He's kind of bumming me out. Um, Friday. What does Maribel do on Friday? Um, 
the camera zooms out. Um, you see a spectral hand adjusting things in Tinkertown, moving them to the far corners and putting things in the central focus to the limelight. <sighs> I forgot. What was Maribel again? Uh, she was the baker, right? Okay, so you you see this hand kind of invisible. Of course, you don't see the hand. But you <laughs> see um, the wardrobe of Maribel just kind of change and shift and shimmer and become something else. Maribel has to be the hero, right? How do I set up this story? And she kind of, kind of put, she see, um, she stands completely blank faced as her garb is changed once more. Um, details are added to her house. Uh, and you can see there is a history slowly being built out. You can see the mantle, the pictures being changed of the family that has since moved on from Tinkertown. Um, no, I liked when she was a newsy that ties her into everything. You see her wardrobe trains once more. Okay. It's Friday, Maribel. Do your thing. And you see this, the camera zooms in once more. Maribel steps out of her house, off to do the job she always does, deliver the news to the world. Unaware of the tinkerings and mechanisms behind the screen, making sure that her life is perfect for the story that needs to be told. How's that for an unperceivable monster? Uh, 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 wait, did you like, just like meta this whole thing? <laughs> I, how? Oh my God, that was great. You put me in the, the mind space of um, you were like, the God who controls the story. You were like, I don't know how to do, a, how to do immersion. Oh, it's such a hard prompt. Oh, here's just an amazing <laughs> fucking storytelling thing that I just made up in my brain. Oh, oh my gosh. But don't we do that on the regular as I was so confused. Masters? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> We change the story as we see yeah. fit, and the characters we never gods, know. Aren't we? <laughs> we do- <laughs> deities in our own comfortable chairs. Um, yeah, I, I was like, well, I change the stories of my characters every Tuesday. So, and they, and <laughs> yes. they never know the difference. They never know. Uh, um, I was thinking about, I was talking about it with. I love it so much. I was talking about it with our, with our, with our friend and D&D player, uh, DeForest, how. Um, in a kind of meta while we were all taking our bathroom breaks, um, <laughs> how sometimes we'll just change the builds of our characters on a whim. And we, we rarely roleplay it. Like if my character changes from a barbarian to a fighter, they'll never know that they were no anything before. Know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so like things change, like in Tinkertown, things change. The truly invisible force is the mechanics behind it all, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That way. God, that's wild. And like, you know, session zero, your character is a newsy, but in session one, they're, oh, the baker's so much more interesting. Let's make them a baker instead. <laughs> never mind. You know? They're this now for, for their entire life. Yes. Yeah. And they've never, and they've never been anything else. Oh, that fits so good. Oh, I'm <sighs> so satisfied. This was great. I was thinking you might, you know, I was just thinking of like, ooh, a scary monster, like, you know, quiet place kind of where you, you know, mm. you have to be, I don't know. You'll never see them, but they'll react to things or I don't know. And this is just like a whole fucking pantheon or shit. I don't know. This is great. <laughs> this is great. I love it. Oh, gosh. Story close to home, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> something something we yep. play. We, as world builders, we are the monsters, aren't we? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yes. We, we raise mountains and level fields on a daily basis. We have that the power. That is our power. Yes. <sighs> a blessing and a curse, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, thank you for hosting 
Marla, this was wonderful. You're welcome. I was so excited, even though the intro was something we're so used to. Just listening to it, I was like a viewer. I'm like, oh, wait, it's happening. It's starting. Oh, wait, <laughs> I have a line. I have a line. What's yeah. my line? <laughs> you could just lay back, you know, didn't have to oh do the bridge, God. didn't have to do the end. Love it. Only, you Thank know, you. the hard work of prompt developing, I guess. <laughs> Thank you for being wonderfully capable at hosting. I look forward to your future episodes that I get to <laughs> just, just listen to for a bit. Yeah. <sighs> oh, gosh. That's great. And with that, also, thank you guys for listening. Did you see? It was so smooth. That Perfect transition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Love I know, it. I know. I'm so good at this. We're so professional. <laughs> Should I just do it from now on, like all of them? <laughs> if, no, if we want, you want to pitch that. Nope, you nope, know, not doing it. You know I won't say no. <laughs> it's fair. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. This was great. Lovely to have you hang out with us every, I guess every week. Yeah. Mm. And I guess there's just that one thing that we still need to discuss but I guess it's very late yeah, in the episode now. So maybe we do it like next week or the week after. Oh, yeah, maybe. Like when you're building yeah, rivers yeah. and stuff and it doesn't go right. Oh, like when your rivers topic. are wrong. Yeah. Ah, uh, rivers are wrong. Yeah. Do you want to talk about it now or maybe now? We'll, we'll just leave it to, to the next week. Yeah, next time. Stay next tuned, time. Guys. Don't worry. Stay tuned. Drop in next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Say bye. You got to say bye. You don't have to say bye. You don't have to do anything. How do you end this podcast? You're in silence? I don't, well, now you've pointed it out. No, now we can't do it silence. <laughs> you sure, you, you can do whatever you want. You're the host. Close it out. Have a lovely time, everyone. See you next week. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Your Rivers Are Wrong. If you have any thoughts for topics, prompts, or if you just want to share your thoughts, you can reach us at yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. That's yourriversarewrong at gmail.com. Big thank you goes to Martin Skelligans for our intro and outro music. And most importantly, thank you for listening. We hope to catch you at our next episode. Have a good one.